Welcome to another edition of Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting. I'm DJ Impact, and I'm glad to be back after a little bit of a hiatus. I am back with the fellas. It's good to see you all. And normally, uh, for those that's watching us live, they would be like, man, yes, three count. Well, as we've been promoting before this, there was no three count. We're going to talk extreme rules this entire show. Of course, the pay-per-view kicked off this past Saturday, and what a show it was. So, fellas, we're just going to have a regular uh, dialogue, and, and when, when I think it's time to move on to the next match, we'll go ahead and do that. Um, what a way to kick off. Uh, first off, uh, Sin City Steve, you talked about it in our, on our other uh, show. The opening credits was just uh, amazing with the spelling bee. Um, that was just very creative and how they came about that. Uh, you gave some uh, some props on that, man. Uh, what, what, what would you want to add a little bit to that? Yeah, without a doubt. I think that um, it, it, what was really cool with it is it definitely give it gave me vibes of old school ECW. Mm-hmm. In that, obviously, it was uh, the the person facilitating the spelling bee or whatever was Paul Heyman. That was instantly recognizable. But one thing that was really cool that they did was as the letters were being were being spoken, it would flash up with, you know, the E-X-T-R-E-M-E, exactly the same way that it would in the opening credits montage for ECW mm-hmm. Hardcore TV back in the day, right. in the mid-90s, yeah. um, when they were in syndication, before they were a WWE-owned thing. So it was, it was a really cool kind of full-circle thing. Um, but yeah, just production was off the charts for that. And yeah, it that set the tone for the entire show. I say this, and um, what's your take on on this Simon Street? Philly man was just on fire. I'm always a little afraid, especially when they when they go to Philly because they could be they're a truthful crowd. If they don't like you, uh, <laughs> you could get booed. Uh, you know, you could just be disliked. But they showed up and showed out when they panned that entire stadium. I was like, wait, this show sold out even before Cole mentioned it was sold. I was like. Wow, a lot of people want to be a part of it. What was your take, man, just on the hypeness going into extreme? Well, I think I think a lot of the times, I don't know if this is what they do, but certain cities are more befitting location-wise based on what the pay-per-view is. And extreme rules, you need to pick a city. Certain cities you pick for extreme rules, yeah. like Chicago, Philly, right? you know, even if they did Brooklyn. You see what I'm saying? It's sure. like you got to have certain cities. So I feel like... Having a crowd that's like a flip of a coin, you know, love you or fuck you. I mean, and, and Philly's always been good for that because you might get both. So, yeah, um, I think extreme reaction for Philly, 100%. Yeah. Matt Michaels, the uh, the Donnie Brook match they kicked it off with. Uh, I, I, I Would you say that was the perfect way to have starred off uh, Extreme Rules, would you have done anything differently in terms of how they started the show? And we're, we're, and we're starting with the Donnybrook match. So I, the, the only thing I would have done different is I would have started with the uh, Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle match. Mm. Just because you could have done the same. That, that was either your first match or your last match because of the ropes. Right? Right. That That's it. That's it. Um, the Donnybrook match would have been great. Like, the second match and then after that to pick up a little more momentum but um has to be one of my favorite matches this year yeah um jesus christ uh also it raised the bar for everyone else to beat the fuck out of each other because <laughs> right those guys oh my god talk about 
making shillelaghs look like the most brutal fucking thing on the planet. Right. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, it was just just mind-blowing how simple these props are in reality and how these guys just sold the fuck out of this stuff. Yeah. Um, it's just a great blend. See, that's I mean, that's the difference between the death matches and that kind of style. The we bleed because we don't know how to make things look real mm-hmm. as compared to, you know, using some stiffness, knowing that you're going to all be stiff with each other like that. And, you know, not having then to, you know, go to management and complain about how stiff someone's being. Yeah. Right. Because you're all in on it. You all know how it's going to be done. You're all proud of it. And, the story, and I think Simon kind of alluded to it in uh, Wrestling Talk, or will alluded to in will allude to it in Wrestling Talk if you're listening on the podcast, and it's tomorrow. Um, is that um, the setup for the match? The way they utilize the brutes, um, you know, in NXT, um, and then having Imperium show up, um, it, was, it was great. It was great. Yeah. So for a match that could have been in the old. The old way of Vince doing things, a match could have that could have just been awful. Let me ask you, uh, Simon Street, Sin City, did they get the uh, that the that the winning team? Did they get that right? Should it have been uh, the Brawling Brutes or should it have been um, the whole Imperium? What would you take? I would say they had it. They they had it right. Okay. Uh, I mean, just 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 you know, speaking frankly, mm-hmm. I think that right now, you I mean you definitely want to go with the uh, you know the you know with who you have. I mean. Imperium really doesn't need much. You see what I'm saying? They're pretty much set, ready to go. They're good. Um, Brawling Brutes is on a roll and a tear right now. Um, I'm I'm almost certain that uh, if they're not in the next couple of weeks, I mean, I know right now, you know, the Usos are holding up both of them tag belts, but if you see in the behind the scenes what WWE's doing, they're showing some tag team prowess in having established teams be set up, primed, and ready to go. And I'm telling you right now, you know, Brawling Brutes, uh, you know, with Butch and um, uh, in Holland, I mean, they're definitely going to be contenders, and a lot of it because of the match and what they showed here at Street Rules and in prior uh, weeks, uh, you know, SmackDown and Raw alike. Yeah. Okay. Anyone else? Anyone else wonder if Rich Holland was going to break someone's neck? He he, he do look like somebody would do some shit like that. <laughs> He's just yeah, like, he does something. It's like he's so powerful that you just kind of go, oh, God, please, not him, too. Yeah. Well, the bad thing is we wouldn't want him to do that because that would be a big E mistake. Oh, jeez. All right. Um, <laughs> too soon? That match too was soon? just amazing. Uh, without a doubt, yeah. top to bottom, just amazing match. Everybody brought it, did everything that they needed to do. Yeah. Fucking awesome. No doubt, no doubt. The uh, SmackDown Women's Championship, Ronda Rousey, Liv Morgan. Man, um, <laughs> listen, I finally we got the ending right. But listen, shout out to Liv, right? I mean, because she finally made this made it, you know, seem like she was going to be a little bit more competitive in this match than we've seen other times. So it looked like she kind of stepped her game up in that, but. Man, Ronda was just a straight beast, right? I'm seeing moves that I hadn't seen. I think she was she was choking her with her legs on the ring. Mm-hmm. Like I don't <laughs> And then and then she did a different she kept the same move and did it like 
I can't even explain it. I mean, Ronda's how just. Did, how did she do it again? Was it? Was it? It's just left or right. It, <laughs> let me let me go right over to you. Uh, let's start with Sin City. Uh, what was your take on this match, man? This, I mean, this was pretty extreme, right? This this was a pretty good match. Um, the uh, they definitely got the winner correct, uh, yeah. as they did with the opener. I think just a blanket statement. I think everybody that won on this show was the correct winner. Mm-hmm. So. Just yeah. putting that out there right now. I think that they they knocked absolutely everything out of the park with this. Um, this match was no exception. Um, I did I did notice that uh, there's a definite sort of a shift in Liv's character um, that they're going to be going into. So I'm very interested to see how things come out of this match. Uh, obviously, they made mention of the fact that as she uh, passed out from the submission that she had a smile on her face. Uh, I guess that midway through the show, they did a backstage thing yeah. for Megan, social Megan Morant. and Megan Morant uh, kind of tracked her down. And uh, Liv was just sitting kind of uh, hanging out in the, in the backstage area uh, looking, you know, like as if she's going insane. Uh, so we'll see what happens from that. Yeah. Girl disturbed. What's up? What's up, man? I just raised my hand because I want to be polite. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. <laughs> when has that ever stopped you before? I know, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, you said well, you said Liv was maybe kind of going through changes. Maybe Matt Michaels is too. So I guess so. I like yeah, it. Right? I like it. Yes, Matt. Please, I, I, I'm a fan. <laughs> ah, it's just it's just menopause with me. Um, so <laughs> you get to that age. Um, no, I. So here's my theory, guys. And this goes to the uh, wonderful people out there on the internet who like to just throw out stuff and like theorize and blah, blah, blah. A lot of people, oh, they're bringing Bray Wyatt's characters to life. Oh, Alexa will be back with Bray. Liv fucking Morgan. Yeah. That's the go-to for her. Let her go under his watch. And now you have something with her. Because she doesn't have to fucking perform as a wrestler as much as just be a crazy Harley Quinn type. Yep. Bam. There you go. Yeah. Save her career by doing that. I'd like to raise my. Uh, yeah, Simon Street. You are free to uh, speak now. I'm I'm the one polite one. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I definitely want to echo the sentiment of both Michaels and Sin City Steve. Definitely this shift. I, I looked at it too as a blessing in disguise, and and if they pitch this the right way it does put her in the situation to where really her having the title is inconsequential. It, it still develops her, especially when the killing floor comes out, which I still to this day think that's the reason why they gave her the push, put a belt in grand WWE history. You have a movie coming up. I'm going to put a belt on you. Well, the good thing is she doesn't have to have a belt. And the great thing that I will say that was done before Extreme Rules is she left us convinced of a different side to her, that taking risks that her being on the edge. So if that lends very well to whatever her character is going to be moving forward, I mean, shit, let the stars align because Liv Morgan might be the Alice to the White Rabbit. So that's that's another uh, thing John brought up, uh, sloppy execution, uh, right result, sloppy execution. Ronda definitely held back on her use of weapons. Oh, hell yeah, she of did. Liv using weapons on Ronda. Yep. That, I think, is one of the reasons is that – if Ronda would have gone full out, 
you wouldn't have got the same thing. But Liv being the crazy bitch now and the one who's trying to prove a point, etc. There you go. That's why she was using the weapons more so. But can I add one thing though? Mm-hmm. Could, could somebody please tell her next time you pushing the table in the ring, you got to re- you, you got to fold both legs up. Like like I don't know how she didn't see that. I get things is going. I'm not trying to be highly critical, but I was like, baby girl, you got to pull them both of them legs up, then push into the ring. You know, is that is that, is that how it goes? Is that how Hello. it goes? <laughs> you try to get that long piece of wood table into the ring? That's how you do it. You know, I um I was actually shocked when I I don't know why I was. I guess I uh was shocked when Michael Cole had mentioned, of course, uh the first extreme. And yeah, I mentioned the fact it was Randy Orton, but he's also that Jack Swagger. And I'm thinking, hey, that guy's on the other, you know, and then he mentioned for the females, Alexa Bliss and Nia Jackson. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. He mentioned Nia. You know, I was just I guess it's a new thing, you know. You I, I wouldn't think you would have heard Well he has a new commentary team. I mean, new things for him are gonna come out of his mouth. Well, you know, I don't well, know. And, and 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 they're they're acknowledging history. I mean Sure. That was something else that was mentioned. You know, obviously they made they mentioned you know the first mm-hmm. of whatever match and all this right. kind of stuff, and really really embraced history for one of you know. I, I don't remember necessarily them doing it unless somebody died previously under Vince. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it seems like as if you know as if they didn't care about history or their legends or whatever. But that was something else that was majorly, it, it stood out majorly to me, is that they were embracing history with everything that they did tonight, too. Or and, the and the WrestleMania numbers coming back yes, as well. So, Without yeah, a doubt. You know, and, and let's, uh, let's also say, it's not just Hunter guys, too. Remember, oh, yeah. it's also Stephanie and, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and probably Nick, too you know, sitting in and, you know, these guys brainstorming. I could only imagine what those fucking meetings are like. Well, can I add that before we move on to the next segment to echo that same sentiment? You got three seconds. Goddamn, man. I'm just about to go ahead. Anyways, um, they are definitely thinking progressive and more relative to what works now. I think that Vince, if we were to say it was just Vince, was held back only by his imagination because it was very out of date at times. He went with what was safe and what he knew, but it wasn't progressive. And you're seeing a lot of ag- aggressive moves and things that match more of this time. And we did see a lot of that with extreme rules. A lot of the thing, like Sin City Seeds all the time, don't insult my intelligence. I think there was a generational insulting of intelligence because majority of the people who watch your product do have some very good intelligent uh, skills. So, and, and they want something different. So, that was longer than three seconds. No doubt, no doubt. Let me ask you this as we jump over to the strap match with uh, Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross. And this is for you, Matt Michaels. Uh, and the reason why I'm, 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 I'm gearing this to you because I know you've always first been kind of critical of Drew McIntyre. At the same time, you know, a few of us are ha- have a friend who's been very critical of Karrion Cross, um, even to the point of not even thinking he really should be there. But we also saw that it was a turn of the of the fans. They went from hype from those two matches down to like uh, I don't know. Is this my bathroom break? What's your take on this Matt, on this match, Matt Michaels? Drew Matt carrying across. It was it was looking to be something big. I mean, even on SmackDown there was a big pop, but on this show it was kind of. Uh. To be honest, yeah, uh, it's the Drew McIntyre effect, of course. Oh wow, okay. But 
but you also have to i have to say you have to when you're sitting there watching two guys using leather on fucking pure skin the way those guys were just beating the holy fuck out of each other yeah yeah it might get a little you know like <laughs> yeah uh, okay guys you know <laughs> yeah um yeah i think that you've you've got a situation too where um cross is still built they're still building him yeah right mm-hmm. he was an nxt star right yeah so um you really are still building him up um drew there there's he's just one of those cases where it's so strange because there's at times he's just where fans love him there's times where fans are kind of indifferent to him mm. And it's hard to tell why that is. Yeah. Um, it really is. But I think also, you know, one of the factors too is this this match kind of got that again that kind of um, that thing Steve doesn't like, and that is that um, that mix in of Scarlet mixing in, right? Um, and and as I say that, uh, John chimes in. With once again, right person one cross finally got his main card premium live, a live event victory. Drew even got uh, got to save face with Scarlet using the pepper spray, and Cross even did a good job selling it as well. That is absolutely true. Sure. So, um, and I think too, honestly, um, there's also an argument to be had that you know after Ronda's win, that was a stakes match, right? So after a stakes match. Now we have a non-stakes match, but it's also still an extreme match. That's the one thing with having all extreme matches that is a problem is because they you have nowhere to build because every single match is going to be something that is possibly, mm-hmm. you know, more brutal, more, yeah. you know, um, and you don't get a break. Right. So at some point you do have to pee. You got to go get your nachos. You got to shut your kid up <laughs> and buy them that fucking you know stuffed owl or whatever. So, right. um, but it, overall, if you watch it, it's a great match. It was good. Yeah. And Sin City. I, I mean, I want to. I mean, pretty much, just because the it might come out on TV as as wow, the fans don't maybe don't seem like they're into it. The reality of it is, it really could still be an outstanding match. It just it could just be perceived different. From maybe even from a, a, a live. Um, even being there live versus seeing it on TV, man. What's your take on that? Yeah, I think that ultimately it it, it it's about creating moments, and yeah, the, this match certainly had its its fair share of them. Um, to be honest, I would I would much rather have a quieter crowd that reacted for major plot points mm-hmm. than a crowd that is just trying to have themselves over the entire match <laughs> by chanting and I doing all sorts of crazy sure, shit. Sure. And it, it just, it takes away from the in-ring product as That's much true. as, you know, I like being that fan in the arena and cheering and, you know, chanting random shit. Uh, it's fun, but at the same time, there has to be a balance. Yeah. And I think that, this match was fucking barbaric. Yeah, you can't you can't fake leather straps on skin, like you oh, you no. really you really can't do too much of that. Yeah. So it, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Both of these guys, yeah, both of these guys are gonna be uh gonna be sore tomorrow for sure. Or yeah. 
Simon Street. For today. Whatever. <laughs> I know, Whatever. right? It's always hard to keep up with uh, what day and time we're, you know, to say all this in. Uh, um, fucking anachronisms. What can I say? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, Simon Street with you, man. Um, well, what, what, what was your take, man? Uh, good good job. Good bill for Karrion Cross. Moving for, moving him forward. Um, I think that it was a good look for Karrion Cross moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as Michael's mentioned, I mean, he's definitely still getting built. And I think a lot of that has to do with how deep do they want to go with the character he already has established? You know, and I think that this match, I think in idea was trying to set that up. I personally felt that the match uh, was the wrong type of match for these two. Um, a strap match, not that a strap match isn't good, mm-hmm. but I do agree with the spot it was on the card. Um, that played a part. But a big part is is a strap match. If you really think about it, not a lot of people are huge on strap matches. And not mm-hmm. every time does it go as great as you want. The unplanned ones are the ones you don't you don't suspect sometimes. And I felt like that's what kind of played a part. I could have been good with them having another type of stipulation, to be honest with you. Yeah. And I think it would have gotten a better result. I just felt like the strap match, yes, having somebody get whipped is definitely brutal. But I still feel like sometimes you really got to have the right people. You know what I mean? And I just felt like for the both of them, this match did not translate well to keep keep my attention. And I love yeah. both of these dudes. I get it. I get it. Uh, the Raw Women's Championship with Bianca Belair and Bailey. Uh, mm. I, first off, that's one hell of a match. I do question one thing, and I'll just – I won't even call on anyone. I, you know, maybe you could tell me if, if, if I'm – wrong on this or you know got confused on this or maybe you can even explain it to me but the very last finish i thought it was interesting that bailey had the ladder and i really thought that it was it was going to be an attempt move to do something to get free from bianca but it ended up being that after the uh kod her face ends up uh, hitting that same yeah. ladder, and it was like, mm-hmm. that's interesting. That the whole idea of, was the whole idea of picking up that ladder was just so you can fall on your face on that, because there was never any attempt to do anything with it. Nevertheless, I thought it was an awesome match. What do you guys, you know, take overall on the match? Um, well, I'm just going to start. Yeah. I, I thought I thought the match was uh, spectacular from start to finish. Um, this was the first time that I will, well, not the first time, but since, uh, you know, her coming back, Bailey, um, it just was a sheer reminder of how great of an in-ring, uh, you know, competitor she is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, from start to finish, she, and she has this ability to be able to match and transition well with almost surely anybody. And I would say out of, you know, the four horsewomen, I would say she is really, really good at that. Um, you know, and she did that with, with Bianca. She went toe-to-toe, blow-to-blow, uh, turnbuckle-to-turnbuckle, and it was exciting from start to finish. A um, couple of cool spots that I really, really, really wish had went a little bit smoother was the, the double KOD to EO Sky and Dakota Kai. Um, but I get why they were trying to make sure because that could have been, been a little bit ugly. Um, but, you know, uh, there was a part in there that I wanted to get you guys to take on to where – um, you know, Bailey was trying to, you know, put the, the ladder on top of Bianca and it seemed like something wasn't fitting. So she, something didn't happen. So she looked and I felt like, was that part of the plan or was that just kind of like 
just just pure experience. Let's do something while we're in play since we don't have what we need. Well, one thing for sure about that match, it seems like that that ladder was extremely heavy, especially that big ladder for Bailey. She was having yeah. some struggles trying to get that move that big ladder around. Um, so I, I will say that. Um, Sin City, though, um, what, what was your take, man, overall when it came to this match? So this match was this match was great. Uh, it was nearly 17 minutes, um, and this was one of those matches that they kept the suspense. Um, obviously, my mind was telling me that you know that Bianca was going to win this, but then obviously you know all the bullshit with yeah. the chicanery, sure. uh, damage control coming down at the end of the match, yeah. cast some doubt, and uh, the right decision was made, yeah. and the right person won. Bianca overcame the odds again, yeah. and she's still the champion as she should be. Absolutely, um, just keep the belt on her and just keep building her stock. Absolutely. I mean, Matt Michaels, I mean, the reality is it's the pop she get. I love seeing when WWE puts the cameras on the of, of the little girls. And I mean, these are girls uh, from all races, all ages, and they're just all having a great time. Did you it, just say uh, you like when they put the cameras on little girls from all ages yeah. and all races? Jesus. DJ, you disappear for three weeks and then you come back with this attitude. Come on now. Oh boy! All right, Mister Michael. It's menopause, man. I know it is, so. but but, <laughs> but overall, man, uh, just tell us your take. Just uh, what you're seeing, what's happening with um, uh, Bianca right now with storytelling and with this match with Bailey. Um, no, it, it, this is what I think. This is the match that should have closed the show. Mm. Um, and you know that's that's just it. It would have been that high note. Uh, in which you would feel that the show was going off the air and then you'd, you'd bring in Bray. Um, to answer your question, Simon, I think, uh, I think Bailey got frustrated with the ladder at that point and took the second to turn away and work the crowd for a second just to take a breath so that she could get that thing in place. Because when she turned mm-hmm. around, she did get it right back in place. Um, and... <laughs> Hats off to Bianca for bench pressing that motherfucking thing yeah. with Bailey on it. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. You know, and even Bailey was playing it safe too because she knows, you know, she was looking where she was going with it. So yeah. you wouldn't have an injury. But um, no, you know, that's the thing. The thing is, is that the, the young, um, impressionable girls who are watching someone who looks like them as a champion in the WWE. um, It's, you know, you can't express that enough. And by the way, not only was it the first women's ladder match, but you had someone of Hispanic heritage and someone of African-American heritage going at it. That's right. So, you know, I mean that you, you just can't get any better than those two, um, getting this moment and um, man it, it was just it was just that perfect that perfect mix for um, a match and by, by the way look at the card man you didn't have um, you didn't have these huge names wrestling right sure you didn't have Roman reigns on it um, they're they're starting to show that they don't need on these premium live events that are not Wrestlemania 
they don't need the John Cena's to show up. They don't need the Brock Lesnar's. They don't need Roman Reigns because they got all this talent. Boy, I bet, I bet Vince McMahon you know, wish he he thought of that years ago. He could have saved <laughs> the John no, Cena's and the Rock no. and the Stone Colds. No, he, he don't. All right. No, he don't. Nah, he a stubborn asshole, man. Um, the only thing I want to say, Michaels, and I appreciate you saying with the representation, right? The one thing that's cool is in, in the case of uh, like Bianca and um, Bailey, having that representation also helps a lot of other people of different diversity that's coming up, such as the Last Legends, you know what I mean? Such as, you know, um, you know, uh, Cora Jade and what, you know, people with, with, with Hispanic roots, you know, and have black roots because then you can see more of that diversification of different character molds and it's easier to accept once to get to the main roster so yeah big ups for pointing that out the i quit match i uh with uh finn balor and edge i this was a tough one because i really was like i don't know who's gonna say i quit i don't see edge say it. i just said I, I don't see edge saying this so i don't know how they're gonna do this this is gonna be very interesting and uh and sure enough uh we got a chance to uh to see how all of this came out and um first off shout out to uh finn balor's entrance <laughs> yes. that mask on his face i will have me a little scareful there i'm like i know that didn't get through tsa so they had to specially mail that box over to philly because that wasn't going to get through and uh and even the music they remixed his music i thought that was dope too everything about that was awesome but uh let me go right over to you uh let's go uh sin city what's your take man this match overall this match was right up there with the uh the donnie brook match for me for uh for match of the night mm -hmm. um and yeah they gave these guys plenty of time as they needed to do. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of thought that there would be something similar to what happened at the end of this match um, with the, uh, you know, the concerto on Beth. Mm -hmm. um, I, I figured that they would do something to that effect uh, after Edge had mentioned his family and he went out of his way to mention nothing that you can do to me or my family will get me to say I quit. Mm -hmm. So yeah. um, really expertly done storytelling there. Um, and yeah, it opens the door for Beth Phoenix, Rhea Ripley. Yeah. <laughs> Let's fucking go. So yeah, it, yeah. Very, 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 very good match. Um, yeah. All in all. Yeah. It, it, it was the ending that it needed to be. You had the, you had edge where literally there was nothing he could do. Absolutely yeah. nothing he could do. And then they still did it anyway. It right. just perfect, perfectly done. I mean, Simon yeah. Street, Beth looks great. I mean, she's ready to she go. She always looked great. The Glamazon is. is ready. But, man, I wouldn't even say she even played her role. I was like, uh, I think Beth's hurt. That's, I mean, that's that's the playing dead mode is always great when you're not moving at all. You're still and you're going, oh, shit, you know, and then watching um, Edge expressions. But Simon Street, what was your take when you saw this? Well, first and foremost, before I get a little bit into that, I want to give you a preface a little bit. So, you know, um, I like to involve family and friends. And, and part of that is, is my lady, you know, watch a wrestling. And for her, you know, one of the people that kind of stuck out many, of, you know, a year of her being exposed to wrestling for the first time was edge a lot of that i started showing her old promos of edge and everything and she really started you know getting meshed with that character so she didn't really know much about 
Beth Phoenix. And so watching this, uh, you know, last night, she sees Beth Phoenix come in. And she said, yes, his wife. I said, yeah. I said, she's a wrestler too. Yeah, she can go. And so she saw kind of what she was doing. So it's interesting because, you know, that's an interesting dynamic of people who may not know the history of Beth Phoenix. You know, mm-hmm. you got to realize we got a lot of newer eyes of this product. So it's a great opportunity for Beth Phoenix going against someone that is, to me, is a perfect match with, uh, you know, Rhea Ripley. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I will say about this match is um, it really benefited Finn Balor and uh, Judgment Day. But more Finn Balor, because you got to realize in the history of Finn Balor, not counting NXT, he's never had a couple of, uh, of, of matches to where you really got to see the brutality side of him. Where you really got a chance to see, you know, what we've probably, what we've seen in, in New Japan. You know what I'm saying? In, in, in other promotions he's been in. So it's that was good for him. And when you go up against Edge, you're always going to get a good show. You're always going to get that diehard type of feel. And Edge always delivers. Um, the one thing I will leave with this, I started watching Judgment Day and saw them in a new lens. I see them more as, uh, you know, uh, a good Stephen King film called Sometimes They Come Back. Anybody ever uh, read that book or seen the movie or anything? Well, anyways, it, it's, it's a lot of these greasers kind of guys and they're dark mysterious but they operate kind of like bullies in a way or like they're gonna pop out a a butterfly knife and cut you and i feel like we're starting to see that type of group dynamic with judgment day and it's sheer delight to see almost every week if you're watching them on raw um you know you're seeing how like okay we're this this week we're going to develop finn this week we're going to develop Rhea in in dominic this week we're gonna we're gonna shine on on Damian Priest. So it's really cool how they're dynamically, at least that's how I'm looking at it. Okay. They're dynamically building up their careers to where they're equally strong because in their group they don't have leaders. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's something I saw. But great match, by the way. Well, I mean, just to pick it off that, I mean, Matt Michaels. Um, I, I could you say? I mean, when we first saw that Edge had left the group, it was kind of like. You know, a WTF moment. It really just didn't make any sense whatsoever. But now since he's he's been away from the group and we've seen what they've done, it almost seemed like in some way they are building each other up to maybe become really just dominant players. And even this is going to be good for Dominic. But what's your take on that and just the overall match in general? So, um, yeah, Vince was in charge when Edge was part of this. <laughs> it made no sense at that point. And... It, it really was reflective of what Vince was doing. Yeah. He, he was, I, he just, I, I, I gotta say it, dementia, maybe setting in at that point. Um, because he didn't know what he was doing. And okay. What's interesting about this match is this actually was the most polarizing match on the internet mm. because there was that, you know, that group who, who liked it for what you guys are saying. And there was a, bunch of people that i was noticing in threads that were actually saying that they tuned out at this point it was long it was drawn out it was boring um and a lot of it had to do with uh they got like 30 some odd minutes on the match or or more uh and um i think that some of the people too they just don't buy into judgment day as a group um So that, you know, that can add into it. Um, I thought the match was great. I thought it was, it was just so fucking solid. Uh, one fan, you could, 
I think it was when uh, when Finn was bashing uh, on uh, Edge's head on the uh, announcer's table. <laughs> you hear one fan go, "You suck." Oh, and I then think he, I remember he hearing. Bashes the head again. You still suck. You still suck. You still suck. You still suck. You still. It was fucking hysterical. Yeah. Um. So you know that there was there was that you know there were the fans were still in it. Um, it gave us one of those, again, those moments, uh, that WWE does very well. AEW tries doing it with those, you know, the, anytime they, they go into the, the crowd, into the, you know, Mm -hmm. into the, the, the actual arena itself, but the WWE puts it in a controlled environment that shot of them in that tunnel with the crowd watching that was such a great visual look Mm -hmm. Um, there was just some good stuff with that type of the shooting and stuff um the handcuffing you know the the way that Rhea played with the you know that key and kept that key in her hand the whole time that she was getting ready to confront beth so that the the movement of that key from her to beth would happen you know, yeah. um, just little stuff like that. Um, absolutely. Just can't wait to see Beth and Rhea. Just that should be phenomenal. And if they do that at WrestleMania, you know, that'd be great. They might do it at Rumble, possibly, or even Survivor Series. Yeah. Depending on how fast they move it and depending on what Beth's schedule with their daughter is, um, because, you know, she is she is a mom. She literally is is you know, responsible for the kids now while edge is on this longer schedule. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, for her to get to do this, this is, this is phenomenal. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah. And by the way, Dominic, dude, say what you want about him. All of a sudden he's starting to look a little more like at least a wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> That's what happens when you get with a woman. Or when you have a woman wrestling, wrestling, a woman whispering in your ear all the time, man, you you come into contact with your man self. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm still I'm still saying that he needs to change his last name to Guerrero. To Guerrero, yeah. <laughs> have that be hey, like the final nail in the in the coffin of that. He's just, pretty much almost there. Yeah. Hey, quick quick question. You were saying earlier about Beth Phoenix being a mom. What and this is a trend I'm starting to see the new form WWE doing. They're using what's current and what's truthful into their storylines, meshing together truth and tailoring in stories. Wouldn't you say that would make it even that much amazing if she were to come back even for a one-time match and that be said, like I'm a mom, you know, I'm sacrificing so much because there's tons of women that could identify with that, having to do something and leave the kids, you know, to get babysitted and stuff, you know, that sacrifice. I think it would make for a more impactful story. What do you think, Michael? Um, it, it all depends on the willingness of them to bring the family dynamic into it. If yeah, they're game, they're very private. Yeah, if they're game, then that's great. Um, you can also listen. It also depends how evil you want Judgment Day to be. Personally, we've seen the WWE do it over the years, and. It is quite impactful if uh, you have Rhea uh, maybe having just happened to be at the school and 
I was just thinking that. Maybe she was in the same type of minivan that Beth drives. And when Beth pulls up, wait a minute, where's my kid? And the crossing guard or whoever, you know, hey, well, your van just took off. Yep. You know, they could do something like that. That was supercharged. That's a WrestleMania match if you put in the stock on that shit. I'm just saying. All right. All right. Let's jump right over into the uh, Riddle and Rollins, the uh, fight pit uh, match. Um, man, we got a chance to see it. Um, Daniel Carmier uh, uh, be uh, the guy who helped make sure that the match was going to go down the middle. Daniel uh, Cornbread, he gained some weight. I didn't know he gained it. I ain't trying to. I'm, I'm not trying to shame nobody for the weight. But I was like, damn, man, I don't remember you having all that. Yeah, well, life happens. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, the match itself, um, what's what's your take on it? Let me move over to you, uh, Sin City. What did you think of this? Uh, this was a solid, solid final match. I would call it the main event, but the next segment is really the main event. But this was, the, this was a great main event match and was definitely worthy of being called the main event. So, um yeah you had everything in this match you had um you had the offense on top of the uh, of the platforms um you had the uh the broton oh my god the broton that the riddle dropped onto rollins yeah he had to have broken at least a rib yeah because he it, dude it did not look good at all <laughs> yeah i know um yes it, Dude, I don't know how he was able to protect Seth on that. Um, yeah. Yeah, not good. Um, but, yeah, very solid. Uh, and, again, the right person won. Um, I can't tell you how many times we've seen Riddle get his fucking head stomped in. So, for him to get the win in his match right, was was fitting. Uh, it was just it was expertly done. What do you think about, I'll give this to you, Simon Street, what do you think about seeing the fight pit a little bit more? You know, maybe it could even be like the Elimination Chamber type of deal. Or maybe, you know, when you get the cage match, you get them about, about four or five times a year. Maybe we get the fight pit. Or do you think it should just be something that just rarely happens, maybe once every two years? I mean, what's your take after seeing well, this match? I well, I definitely think it, it, it shows just, you know, uh, those examples of NXT excellence brought to the main stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it also foreshadows other things that was a mainstay in NXT that will probably most likely uh, transfer over to the main stage, such as war games. Just saying. Um, the great prob- thing, it's not probably. It's it's already been announced. Well, I, I, I was trying to do that for people who don't know that, Mike. <laughs> but thank you. You're right. Yes, cat's out the bag, apparently. So, cats yes, but... Bag. Okay, fine. Thank you. But anyways, the point that I, I was trying to make is it's really good because having this be a Riddles type of match, he sold that type of match in NXT very, very, very well. And you have nobody better to go against than Seth Rollins. If I'm going to introduce a new type of match in the WWE, I either want two guys, Seth Rollins or AJ Styles, and now it will be three. Freaking bro. Because, man... It, it just fit perfectly, um, that whole match. I, there wasn't a segment part of that match that fell through. Yeah, Everything was grand to design. Even in the, some of the things that you had mentioned earlier in City, it just seemed well. And and I was happy with it being the last match of the night. I was left satisfied with the win. Everything was great. 
Yeah, Matt Michaels. Um, is is there anything different that they can uh, that they can add or or take away, or was it just perfect the way that this um, this particular fight uh, pit setup was uh, designed? Was it was it just perfect the way it went down? Um, so a only use it for riddle. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, so um, not even not even for Ronda. No. Okay. No, and the reason being is because I think that over the years you've seen them get when they saturate the match too much. Th- there never should have ever been um, any other uh, buried alive matches outside of the Undertaker, mm. right? That should have been his gimmick, right? So it's that type of thing. Keep it the gotcha. riddle, and you'll see it once in a blue moon, and that's fine. Gotcha. One of the reasons I do say that is because, again. There was a big bipolarization on this match because online there were a lot of people who felt the match was just too long. It drug out. There wasn't a lot of action in terms of, you know, and and again, it's not what they're used to because there's not the ropes. There's not flippy shit going on. (laughs) Right. There were some really good, solid, incredible spots like a fucking RKO. Right. You know, (laughs) yeah. And, and I thought he was going to roll. Rollins. I thought he was going to roll over, and I was like, "Oh shit!" That's thank <laughs> God Rollins was smart enough to fucking feel for that fucking yeah, oh yeah, dude. Because if not, he because he was going, <laughs> yeah, he was going man. So you know, um, so that's that's the thing. The thing is, is that I think for some of the fans, the last two matches were just it was just too like, extreme rules when you have all those matches be extreme, then there are going to be some fans who are not going to like some of the extreme, you know, concepts versus the other ones on the show. So that's the the risk you're taking. Also remember at this point, the people who turned in specifically to see Bray Wyatt have not seen any indication. This man is going to be on this show yet. Yeah. That was a big factor, too. I think a lot of people were kind of like, what the fuck? And we're actually thinking that there was a chance this was not going to happen yesterday. Mm-hmm. So they, it, real quick, though, yeah, um, they did run the uh, the 8-bit graphic right at the top of the show when uh, I think it was the Brawling Brutes were coming out to the ring. It was. Yeah. Uh, they they actually had the the cut scene with the eight bit rabbit going down the rabbit hole at Extreme Rules. So I mean, it, it which technically, Steve, if we think about the way Vince did things, that could have been the appearance of the White Rabbit. But no, no, no. It's okay. funny you say that. No, no. But it's funny you say that because yeah. that's what I thought of. If this was Vince McMahon era. We would have had the air sucked out of us, like you had mentioned earlier. But yeah. because it's no longer Vince McMahon, we're actually our intelligence is getting insulted, and we're getting what has been promised to us. Right. Yeah. And um, eventually, you now see the ending logo of the show. Up, oh, show's over. Okay, great. Oh, that was a great pay per view. And Michael Cole goes, wait, oh, hey, are we still on air? After the lights went out, uh, of course, everyone just went mad crazy. And, and uh, you start to see the spotlights on um, a pig and a rabbit, a bird. I mean, you start to see. And quite frankly, I you know, 
uh, my wife, who's a big part of my fun, uh, the, the loves listening to our show, she was watching this and she was like, you know, this is actually pretty uh, scary, pretty freaky. The way that it was all done, like, whoa. Um, just to show you just how well, um, even the production of how well his intro came out, uh, I, I'll end it with that. Let me move right over to you. Sin City, when you saw all of this taking place, um, what were you thinking? What were you expecting, you know, from this point? Well, I mean, I, I, I had kind of deduced that it would be Bray, mm -hmm. um, as did most people. Um, a couple of things, you know, the entire ARG, the alternate reality game that they played uh, with the QR codes and, you know, the websites and all that kind of fun stuff, uh, leading up to uh, they were actually distributing flyers at the uh, the Extreme Rules show itself before the show. Um, and it said, uh, abandon all hope ye who enter here, which is the uh, was actually written on the back of the Firefly Funhouse door uh, and also incidentally was above the gates of hell and Dante's Inferno. So, yeah, it, oh. it was it was very interesting. And that kind of pieced everything together. And, you know, that was essentially the the confirmation without the confirmation that it would be bray and um it was yeah it, as soon as that stuff started happening it was awesome the uh the makeup the the masks the the costuming spot on creepy as absolute shit um <laughs> one thing that i do have to point out that i did find very very uh, very touching honestly uh, they used the old Bludgeon Brothers mask that Brody Lee used um, during his time uh, as the Abby the Witch mask underneath of the Black Veil. Um, so that was really cool. So obviously preserving Brody's memory. And then uh, when Bray made his way through that hallway, uh, it was lit in the exact same way that the tunnel was lit for Brody Lee when he emerged as the Exalted One on AEW TV. Wow. Yeah. If you put both of those shots together, sure. like it's lit the exact same way. It was really, really fucking cool. So they, again, knocked it out of the park. You know, you guys have been talking a lot about the rabbit and, and, and I, 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 we saw something that was pretty funny too, that we thought was interesting, but we didn't catch it. And it was, you know, every time they come back and they show, hey, we're alive here from Philadelphia. So they show you the city name. They show you the team. They go by and show you certain monuments. Then they went to the stadium where people were buying tickets, and it was a child that was taking a picture with a rabbit. And I, just, and I was like, that was so weird. I'll be honest with you. I didn't catch it. I was like, why would they show that? Because it wasn't like the rabbit has anything to do with with Philly, anything, you know, but it was just a kid that was taking a picture who was after buying their tickets. Uh, just very well done. Uh, I'll go to you, Simon Street, on this. Man, what was your, ex you know, how excited was you when you saw this happening? And, and what were you expecting? Were you expecting the fiend or were you expecting Bray himself without a mask just showing up or did it not even matter? Uh, I, I expected Bray Wyatt because he who walks with the lantern is one and the same as the fiend. And the other characters he had and i've always seen him that way and you know i i mean maybe it's just me but that's why i've seen him so i was expecting bray wyatt um i also too love the build-up mm -hmm. i had a huge fond appreciation of the build-up uh i think that when you have somebody who's coming 
and somebody who is coming to have that outside of the box, you not know what you're going to get that Bray Wyatt has given us for many and many years. You have to play to that fiddle. And they did an excellent job. And um, let me tell you, him making it short and sweet is amazing. Done. Sometimes the biggest impact, not just DJ impact, is when it's short and sweet. Because impact is not short and sweet. It's long and drawn out. But that's besides the point for another conversation. It was amazing. And the fact that, you know, my son got a chance to, to see it and everything and and, you know, my girls watching, we watching. It was cool. The showsmanship in it. I can only hope that with the season premiere of Raw, we will get something kind of teased a little bit and drag it just a little bit. That's my wish list. Just drag it a little bit. Don't let the cat 100% out the bag. Or like Michaels used to say, don't show the whole. Well, how does that phrase go? Michaels, don't show them the whole what? Well, I mean, you, you don't you don't want to give away the uh, the uh, you, you got to show a little tip before you get you know the full on nookie going on. You know what I'm saying, <laughs> my man. <laughs> well, with that, Mike, Mike, Matt Michaels, tell us, man, uh, what was your take when you saw the lights hit and Michael Cole trying to figure out are we still on air? Um, you know, the only thing I would have done differently is. I would have never had them say those exact words. Yeah. I would have loved him to. So you see the black happen. And then if Cole was like, yeah, great job again, you know, calling it Corey, that was real. as if they were literally about to take the headsets off. Like, Hey, this was a great, it was, it was just a little bit too Markish of like, Hey, are we still on the air? <laughs> like, all right. <laughs> um, but if they would have done it that, it would have been like totally even more because of the fact that there was that one fucking just that one bit of you that wanted to go, Jesus Christ, did I miss it? Did this not happen? Like, <laughs> was that earlier on the show? What the fuck is going on? Um, then I think the idea of using the in arena spots to show those characters um first off it gave something in the arena for the fans right um and it was even it was just kind of confusing too the way they kind of shot it too it wasn't like they knew okay go straight here go straight there because they were kind of throwing that off a little bit too and the lights were off a little bit. And, you know, so they weren't doing everything exactly polished perfectly. This is how it's done. And then they used the screen as well and used the, the video. And, you know, finally you have the entrance through this door. Um, it was the right type of buildup and the right amount to just basically have him say he's here. Mm -hmm. And then that's it because you don't have to give it all away. Yeah. At this point. I mean, I, I don't really want to see him other than just little segments, little tiny bits for the next few weeks. Let it fucking play out. Um, let people anticipate it. Also let your other storylines kind of, you know, 
this is going to overshadow everything they fucking do for the rest of the year. So, you know, you utilize this smartly to highlight some of your, you know, get the eyes on your product to highlight some of the other talent and stories. Mm. And that's how you produce a fucking television show as opposed to some guy from Ohio just bleeding every fucking chance he has and then wrestling a cowboy because <laughs> cowboy shit. Like, who fucking cares? Uh, John Moxley, three fucking free. years. Three fucking years. Rent free, man. man. You couldn't go one show. <laughs> Metapause. You know, right? Metapause. Metapause also <laughs> can include blood, from what I've heard. Well, like all you guys. Especially if the thermostat is a little too hot and you got a hot flash. <laughs> well, like all you guys say, man, uh, um, this show was definitely a great show. It was on fire from top to finish, and uh, and and it was awesome um, just to, to watch it. And I'm sure even being there uh, probably would have just been just as exciting as well. So uh, another one for the books, Extreme Rules. All right. So with that. Let's give our final thoughts of the show. Um, I always appreciate everyone who tunes in and, uh, and, and hang out with us. And, and thanks, uh, John and G Scoop and, uh, you know, some of the uh, others that's kind of come through. We appreciate you. Um, and we look forward to seeing you every week as well. And we'll continue to do this because we love wrestling. And that's why you come back as well. So with that, Simon Street, what would you like to tell the good people out there? The good people that have chosen to spend the time with us, and I hope that we've entertained you as well. Also, to entertain the thoughts of being aware out there in this big, bright, blue world. Be aware of the many different people and their opinions, and also realize that those opinions are not fact all the time. Sometimes they can be based on just the shit that they see. But instead of engaging, just be mindful of your daily bread and the paper you have to get and mind your own damn business because nobody wants to get extremely pissed off in these streets. Have a good day. <laughs> All right. Um, just before I go over to um, go over to uh Sin city, I just want to mention also that, uh, you know, Vegas did kind of um, make some news this past week and, um, over some craziness that happened on the strip. I just want to tell everybody, though, just um, just continue to um, do your best to to just be your best. You know, I know it's it's that's as cliche that cliche that as that may sound. Uh, we always can do better, and um, you know, it's always tough when something heartbreaking happens uh, in our in our city, and and that, and that was very tough. Uh, but just continue to keep uh, them in your, uh, your your thoughts and your prayers, and and let's do what we can to you know try to move forward in a more positive direction. Sin City Steve, what we'd like to tell the folks out there. Thank you guys for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you for liking, sharing, subscribing, doing all the stuff that you guys do. Uh, we appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, also, very special thank you to all the brave men and women serving this country, whether you're on lands foreign or domestic. Thank you for doing what you do so that we can do what we love to do. And uh, last but not least, repsports.com, R-E-P-P sports.com. 
Go there for all of your pre-workout, weight loss, and general energy needs. Again, repsports.com. Use promo code Vegas at checkout and save yourself 15%. All right, Mr. Michaels. Uh, today would have been Eddie Guerrero's 55th birthday. So uh, we're thinking wow. about Eddie. Absolutely. Uh, thinking about Shaw and Vicky and the family. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, just uh, just you know, remembering uh, yeah. Eddie on the day. Uh, also, uh, unfortunately, we lost uh, Sarah Lee this week, uh, which was um, just horrifying uh, news, being that she was uh, only 30 years old and has kids and a husband who, you know, the family was, you know, very important uh, yeah. to a lot of people's lives. So uh, yeah. just uh, sad to see. Um, and on a positive note, congratulations to the new couple of uh, Cutthroat Ho- Cody Hancock and Cutthroat Cody's new wife, uh, Kelsey, uh, or Casey, I'm sorry. Um, man, uh, it was an incredible ceremony this morning um, where uh, uh, Casey and Cody uh, lived one of the best wrestling fucking weddings that you will ever see in your life. Uh, Mason Dixon line did a phenomenal job as the, uh, the guys who were, uh, officiating the wedding. And, uh, there were some great bumps in there. Um, there was, is just some just amazingly, uh, fun things going on. The, um, the people in the FSW arena, um, everyone there loves those two. And, um, we uh, we just can't say enough about how uh, special it was to everyone. And a shout out to uh, Tommy Deuce and the crew there uh, putting together this thing uh, for uh, Cody's um, YouTube uh, page. It went out live, streamed live. And um, these guys put on one hell of a show. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it comes from the brilliant mind of Cody Hancock, man. Um, if you ever want to be a wrestler come to Vegas because you train under guys like him and um, it's something else, man, something else that uh, FSW family they got there is just, uh, just one of the best in the country. Absolutely. All right. With that, we want to again, appreciate everyone for hanging out. If you uh, downloaded the show, thank you for downloading. And don't forget, we still have speaking of the uh, everything that happens with the DeFalco fouls, um, it's usually released around Fridays now, you know. So when you see it pop up, it's definitely something you want to listen to. It's a great addition to all the podcasting that we offer, right? So with that, you all take care and happy rest. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting.